Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, they say they're activists standing up to corporations to save the earth. The government says they're terrorists. We'll review the new podcast, Burn Wild. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Do that very carefully. I did. I'm very tired. Oh, okay. And I wanted to make sure not to mess it up so I wouldn't have to do it again. That's fantastic. But you still call my <laughs> podcast These Are Their Stories podcast. The These Are Their Stories podcast. Dunk, dunk. Okay, super. <laughs> Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you for analyzing my introduction so thoroughly. <laughs> also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca, with the good hair. Oh, yeah. And finally, I just bedhead. Like from I had to wake up at 4.30 this morning. It's real bad. Well, I'm throwing that out there because there is a Becky with the good hair character in the upcoming Final Curtain. Ooh. Just giving you a heads up there, Becky. Good to know. Good to know. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast and our very own Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Your hair looks also wonderful, Toby. Thanks. And I'm really enjoying your drumming t-shirt. My drumming? <laughs> is that a what per- are you talking about? Oh, Pearl. Oh, it's Pearl Washington, who's a legendary uh, Syracuse point guard. Oh, I thought it was from like the Pearl 80s. the drum brand, didn't you? No. Oh, okay. No. All right. Sorry. I messed that up. Okay. I'll send you a YouTube video. You can study up. I cool. thought it was Pearl Bailey. <laughs> Pearl Bailey. That's right. I thought it was Pearl like the novel, the Pearl. That would be very intellectual. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that a Scarlet Letter? Isn't that the name of the baby in Scarlet Letter? Oh. Hester Prince. baby I was thinking Pearl. of the Pearl. You know that book, the Pearl? Yes. Steinbeck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Kevin, this is obviously Monday's program. Yep. What is coming up on Thursday's episode of Crime Writers On? Well, we're going to be talking about season four of Monster, and it takes place in Belgium, and it's called Le Monstre. That's season four of Monster? Yep. I didn't put that together at all. Because, because it's in French. <laughs> or Belgian. <laughs> and Le Monstre, I think, yes. Wow. The they say from Tenderfoot TV at the beginning of every episode. Yeah, but it, yeah, but, but, heart, yeah. but it doesn't say like, it doesn't say anything. About, oh, wow. I didn't put that together at all. Wow. Do you know what Le Monstre means? The Monster. In, yeah. You know, I figured that out. <laughs> yeah. 
But I didn't see any like You're uh, bilingual. No, I know that, but I didn't see like the previous I'm sorry, yeah. I just didn't put that together. Yeah. Also <laughs> By the way, uh we have also a season four of Serial coming out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I should apologize for my dopiness. I'm a little bit dopey because I've been pitching my public radio station's fun drive at O Dark 30 uh, for two mornings in a row. So it's been a little bit rough living with me the last couple of days, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I'm very sorry about that. It's okay. That's okay. But, you know, plenty of you, actually, some of our listeners have contributed. Uh, thank you, Tony, by the way, for contributing to my public radio station. A couple of our other listeners have as well. And I really appreciate you guys. I really, really do. You're going to get your NHPR stickers in the mail any day now. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, I would just like to get to it. What do you think? Good, uh, good idea. Let's should, do it. Should we go ahead and start today's review? Mm-hmm. All right. Leading off. And I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know what the target was. It was exciting, but also right away gave me a sense of we're doing a dangerous thing here. In an effort to stop a ski resort expansion in Vail, Colorado, environmental activists set fire to several buildings. It was the work of the Earth Liberation Front, an extremist group that targeted companies they felt were damaging the environment. But they wanted more change than not just their little corner. They wanted nationwide change of no more logging, period. No more using natural resources, period. The FBI labeled the group eco-terrorists and the country's greatest domestic terror threat. For decades, two of its leaders have been on the run. Now it's time for them and the rest of the world to face the consequences of their actions. When the planet is burning, what are you supposed to do? Play by the rules or take direct action? And if you take action, how far is too far to go? From BBC Sounds comes the new podcast, Burn Wild. Host Leah Satilli of Bundyville and Two Minutes Past Nine turns her attention to a different kind of extremist. She poses the question, is it okay to do the wrong thing for the right reason? Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about plot points from Burn Wild. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Laura Bricker, you live in a region where this kind of activism has taken place, right? Yes. We have the Seabrook Nuclear Power Plant. I think we've talked about that before on this show, about like when uh, Kevin was going to take the iodine pill, (laughs) uh, which is something they hand out to save your thyroid if the nuke plant melts down. But when it was being built, there was a group called the Clamshell Alliance, and they were like chaining themselves to fences and all this stuff to stop the construction of the power plant. And actually... One of my editors was a member of the Clamshell Alliance in his early days. <laughs> and then there was a young woman that grew up with um, my mother and uncle. And my grandmother was always quite mortified because she said that that nice young girl went and chained herself to a fence. So I kind of could relate to that sort of feeling of the activism with regard to something in your environment that you felt very passionately about stopping. And so listening to this and listening to the stories of how different people got involved in burning things down. Not that I'm condoning that, but it it just kind of struck a nerve for me because it was something I was kind of familiar with already. Yeah, I was curious too, Laura, how you felt about the fact that one of the acts described in this podcast was the burning down of a horse meat processing plant. Yeah, well, I have a lot to say about that. So thankfully, we don't have any more of those in the U.S. at this time. They were not They weren't like the most humane type of places, you know, these horses that are companion animals then being sent there. But what 
I could relate to in that was this whole thing with the Bureau of Land Management and the wild Mustangs. And that's an issue that gets me a little fired up because they were rounding up these wild Mustangs. And at one point, there was a lot of controversy that they were being shipped to slaughter. So not saying I was going to go set the meat plant on fire, but I'm just saying I could understand how they felt. Well, fun fact, uh, we may not be slaughtering horses in the United States, but we are shipping them over the border and they are being to slaughtered Mexico. in Canada. Yeah, uh, Mexico and Canada. Yeah, in Canada, Canada, eating horse meat is also not a big deal. People eat horse meat in Canada. That's not. There used to be a, a plant in uh, Connecticut. Yeah. You know, and it isn't, it, just as a side, it raises an interesting question, like how do we decide which animals we eat and which we don't? You know, it's just a, it's just an interesting, random thing that we just choose. And, you know, that's obviously a separate issue for a separate podcast. But lest people think that horse slaughtering doesn't happen anywhere, it does happen on this continent, just not in this. Yeah, yeah, it happens. And it's just unfortunate when it happens in situations where they don't do it quickly and like boom, boom, done. Right. So, Toby, uh, Leah Satilli has always looked at far-right extremism in her podcast. What do you think about this uh, flip to looking at a different kind of extremism? It turns out well. Uh, I think it's interesting. It also, you know, it's another, you know, extremist group and sort of movement that's based largely in the Pacific Northwest. So it's also sort of on her turf and dealing with issues that she's familiar with and are, are sort of a big deal everywhere, but out there as well. But then there's also, you know, there's the larger picture, which is sort of the awareness fairly early on by Earth Liberation Front and others of the reality of climate change and the sort of desperate need to make people aware of what's going on. And and, and I think she, through talking to people, kind of, you know, shows that the frustration of it not being taken more seriously and not being able to move things along through sort of more conventional, more accepted avenues sort of leads people to take sort of more extreme measures. Hmm. So, Kevin, I'm interested to know what you think about something, because mm-hmm. we'll get into the issues of like terrorist versus not terrorist in a minute. But I really grapple with the even the word extremism here, because there is actually a legitimate crisis happening on the planet, right? Yeah. That is going to kill us all, maybe not literally you and me, but all of us like species wise in mm-hmm. some at some yeah. point. And you know, the people we're talking about in this podcast are purposely avoiding hurting people and animals. Uh, you know what I mean? They're they're targeting material objects, right? And it is hard for me to frame the, use the word extremism and put them in the same box as other kinds of extremists. Like extremism has a different kind of frame where it's like people in a group, not toward a good for everyone, but toward a group that like sort of a fringe kind of situation. That That's how the word label is usually applied. Like, right, like FLDS extremist sort of cult, uh, you know, extremist, Islamic extremists, you know, terrorist extremists, uh, white nationalist extremists, right? Do you think extremists are extremists in this instance? I'm just, I'm curious yeah. as to what you think. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, by definition, they're extremists. Well, talk there about is, that. Well, I mean, there is a, I guess, a mainstream position yeah. on the the issue of climate change and those who are advocates for taking measures to either delay or reverse these effects. And the way to go about that is through demonstration, through lobbying and petitioning your government. 
civil disobedience is, you know, fine up into a point, but arson, intimidation, these are things that are, we should agree, are not allowed, right? What about burying yourself in a row so that your head sticks out and your truck can't It's go pretty there. clever. It seems a little dangerous. People throw themselves in front of a train, you know, it's but, like but they, uh, to stop the, the train. But this is the question, and this is really what I grapple with. So we, we, you know, you watch like whale wars or whatever, right? And like those people who are putting themselves between the whaling boat and the whale. You mean Greenpeace? Yeah, Yeah. right? So we like, in that show, we like cheer for the Greenpeace people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the whaling boat guys are saying, you're ruining our business. You're an extremist. We have every right to be here. It's legal. And you are an extremist because you are ruining our business, right? The people who are uh, well, I think you're. But I'm saying wrong on your. But the uh, people on the whaling who are thing, driving yeah. the well, the Greenpeace people also sink boats. Make yes. no mistake. Yeah. No, 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 the whalers are not supposed to do that. And, and they, but that that's the thing, though. But like for me, it's like is taking down a capitalist venture the same? It's it's it's. I understand. I'm not making a like judgment here. I'm saying it's a more difficult thing to grapple with. Than other, I mean, I know we're going to get the same as the yeah. terrorism conversation. How about this? If Leah Satilli is doing a podcast on you, you're a fucking extremist, all right? <laughs> pretty pretty simple. There you go. Well, <laughs> tell, I, tell me what you think. Well, I guess there's a question about if there is, if your house is on fire and somebody's shooting at it with a squirt gun, are you just like, okay, well, that's fine. I guess that's all that's going to happen. And, you know, I spent, you know, it's not like... I'm a saint for doing it or anything, but I did spend a year doing doing climate political organizing and stuff. So I was like absolutely sort of in that mainstream group. <gasps> Were you but setting things on fire? I was no. Um, <laughs> he was alas. he was mailing pamphlets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was on recycled know, I was, paper. Yes, I, I was talking to people nicely, but you know, I mean, the, the reality is is that nothing is being addressed to the degree that it needs to be addressed to really do much of anything. I mean, the, the cows kind of left the barn. So in those circumstances, like, do you have some kind of obligation to push it further? I mean, I think that's the question that she's asking is given the consequences for all life on earth, essentially for these little mincing steps that we're taking, does burning down a fucking ski slope in Vail, is that really that big a deal. Yeah. You know, when the outcome that you're trying to prevent is so much worse. And I, and I don't think there's other than like some fringe people, I don't think there's a whole lot of disagreement now among scientists that, that that's, that's where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, well, they talked about people in the Pacific Northwest who stopped the timbering, like they were, they, they won. The other thing too, is there was a very interesting quote in the podcast. Uh, I believe it was in episode four where we hear a guy say in the future, are we going to say, oh, thank goodness we like arrested those people? Or are we going to say we should have listened to those people? You know, and I, I just think that's a very interesting way to look at it. And it's, you know, sort of weighing a building versus what they're trying to say. It is it's 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 just, you know, showing up at your senator's office and knocking on the door is just not getting the job done. Are you saying this does it sounds like you are apologizing for the extremists and saying, I'm saying you are a sympathizer. I mean, you can sympathize with the cause. Yeah. Right. But you can't say, oh, now we need to take it another step. I'm saying I don't start- like the word. I don't like putting them in the same category as a school shooter. Uh, well, that's a different discussion. I don't like putting them on the FBI's most wanted list. I don't like I Why don't. Why not? They're criminals. They're fugitives. <laughs> oh, I, do, I don't I don't like it. I know that's the whole point. I think this- the, I'm going to say I think the reasons that you don't like it 
are more emotional and don't have to do with the application of the law. No, a hundred percent. Now, I just I completely now. disagree with you. I don't think I think yeah. the law is right. I mean, there's the the, his, the history of law enforcement, particularly the FBI, is that they go after left wing groups for their philosophical stance. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. They go after right wing groups for committing crimes. There's a history of that, and it's not that these people are blameless, but you know, they do this rhetorical shift where they start calling it terrorism, right? Even though it's of a completely different type than, you know, nobody's getting killed. Two things are done. It's you equate violence against property with violence against living things. Yep. And then again, and I, I just, you know, by coincidence on another project, I was just speaking to this guy who is a historian who is looking at the way the FBI reacted to left-wing and right-wing groups in the 60s and 70s, right? It's COINTELPRO. So it was the Klan, and it was all these 60s sort of anti-war, SDS, Black Panthers, stuff like that. And what he found was with the Klan, they were prosecuted for specific crimes that they did, but the idea wasn't at that time that we had to get rid of the Klan, right? It was like the Klan, there's actually, the Klan was patriotic, they were seen as anti-communist, and that was, you know... That was okay, but they would go after them for the actual crimes they were committing. With the left-wing groups, they felt like they had to eliminate the left-wing groups, absolutely, because they thought they were a basic threat to the United States, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they were pretty incompetent and didn't really accomplish a whole fucking hell of a lot. So, And I think that just continues now. So you get something like ELF, which their crimes are blown out of proportion compared to other people doing certain things that don't have this sort of left-leaning philosophy. I mean, that, that's my take. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. En Ford creemos que ya sea que estés bajo el foco de atención o bajo tu propio techo, que tengas 90 minutos o 9 horas, que estés empezando cambios o un largo viaje. Fortaleza es hacer todo, como si el mundo entero te estuviera mirando. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Fuerza así de inteligente, solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. So, Kevin, here we are in the Crime Writers on Business section. Yes, we are. What do we got going on in our business section, Kevin? Want to let people know that right now on the Crime Writers on After Show, uh, we're going to be talking to Laura Bricker about her new book, The Final Curtain. Ooh. And we're going to talk a little more. I want to hear some more about the origins of the Piper Green universe. Yeah. It's okay. not just quaint as fuck. Exeter, New Hampshire. The Piperverse? It's a, yeah, the Piperverse. <laughs> the, the Piperverse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The PGU. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh, goody. Uh, so we have that. Also, wanted to just remind everybody that uh, Laura's book is now out. 
It uh, dropped on October 1st. And so is it getting shipped everywhere or what? Yeah, actually, all of the pre-orders that came into Water Street Bookstore the week before the launch, I spent many hours signing while listening to La Monstra. Mm. And um, those books are shipped out and people should be receiving them. Yeah. So that's that's very exciting. Great. And just want to let you know, you get one last chance to sponsor me in my annual Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. It's coming up on Wednesday. And if you want to donate to my walk, just go to crimewriterson.com. There's a scrolling link at the top of the page. What I'm going to be doing is wearing a pair of high heel shoes and walking a mile. Oh, Big asterisk next to the word it's not mile. Not really a mile. By the way, you're more like more than seventy five percent away to your goal. You're eighty one percent there, yeah. but you're not quite there. Yeah. Well, I keep upping the goal. The listeners that keep coming out, and they keep supporting us. And was this just your goal this much? That was just my goal. You're doing great. I know. And if there's some people that have like bigger amounts, but I have more, uh, more, more sponsors. Bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's more. Kevin, bigger. you're doing. I'm just Kevin. I'm just really impressed. Well, thank you very much. And I'm gonna if I think of it. I'm going to try to live stream or Facebook live or do something goofy while I'm walking because if I'm going to fall and break my ankle, I want everyone to see it. Ah, I see some familiar listener names here. I'm not going to call them out, but thank you guys. Yeah. In a future episode, I will be uh, thanking everybody on the program. So again, go to crimewriterson.com and sponsor my walk. It's a walk a mile in their shoes. It benefits the Crisis Center of Central New Hampshire. It's a uh, domestic violence shelter and provides emergency services for victims of domestic violence. I just want to say you're crushing your teammates by a lot. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm crushing. They're all Sorry, embarrassed. teammates. <laughs> That's really what it's all about. We're very competitive here, for even for charity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. All right. So, Kevin, does that end the business section? Thus ends the business section. All right. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. All right, I just want to pick up one thing that Toby said. And like, look at the history of the United States, and you look at like sort of the McCarthy era, right? Mm-hmm. Going after communists who were basically harmless hippies, like in the aggregate, <laughs> and then versus like you know what we see now with the rise of true anti-government people who want to take down the United States. You know, starting with Ruby Ridge, all, all that stuff. We we covered on the podcast before, but I was talking about Leah Satilli's podcast, and there isn't a national movement. To sort of deconstruct it. I, I, I do completely agree with Toby on that. Um, Laura, you just have a more fundamental question about sunshine. Uh, what is your question about about sunshine in particular? How can somebody with a name like sunshine be the most wanted terrorist on the FBI's list? Well, <laughs> terrorism. Terrorists got to terrorize, um, Laura Bricker. Yeah, there's so much mystery around her, this layer of protection. Um, I particularly loved the clips when Leah was trying to ask people about her and they're like, Leah, you know, you're not supposed to ask about this. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. But I mean, Sunshine, you know, I kind of feel like I can get behind the run Sunshine run. I mean, she's made it this far and she was there when they dug the trenches. She had this really crazy origin story where she was radicalized during that period of the when they were protesting logging in the Willamette. National Forest, and I know that area now from Wine Club because, like, some good Pinot Noir comes yep. from up there. <laughs> good reference, Laura. Appreciate it. Not going to so, lie. Thought the same thing. Bricker's going to brick. So, yep. So when I saw that, I said, oh, yeah, I did like that wine that came from there. But, you know, and I went and did a little, like, looking up on her in addition to the podcast. I thought it was so interesting. They think she's in Spain because she speaks Spanish. I'm like, okay. And there was a situation in Spain 
shortly after she vanished where some dogs were released from a kennel mm. and it could have been Sunshine. Um, but I, I thought that the, the two characters of Sunshine and then the other sort of main character that we actually hear a lot from, Joe. Joseph Dibby. Dibby? Yes, yeah. Joseph. I just thought those were two really interesting characters to sort of give us a window into this world because we hear how they started their journey. We hear how they went on the run. We hear how now Joseph is, you know, caught in Cuba and he's no longer on the run. But I, I thought this whole group, it was just, it was really interesting to me to hear sort of this evolution of how people got more involved in what started as like activism. And the next thing you know, they're like, we've got 75 gallons of gas and we're going to torch this motherfucker. You know, like it was interesting to kind of listen to how that happened with people that got into something because it was a cause they believed in. And then the next thing you know, they're on the FBI's most wanted list. Laura, you know who I thought was an interesting character was uh, Dibby's attorney. Oh, Mr. yeah. Mr. Schindler. I mean, <laughs> it's like he's on Red Bull all the time. Love him. He's just so cocky and confident. God, it couldn't have hurt to watch a bunch of racist Nazi fucking hillbillies uh, over on our Capitol two days <laughs> ago. Uh, to put uh, this little chunk of eco-terrorism in perspective. Someone who's confident is 100% who you want as a defense attorney, but it's also maybe a little cocky because he said, yeah, I'm going to have my my client go on a podcast before trial and talk about all of the bad things that he's done. Hmm. And I do think he was pretty good. He made some comment about how in court he's telling the prosecutors about the horse meat plant. And he's like, yeah, my defense is going to be they deserved it. They fucking deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really liked it, too. I found myself wondering, first of all, they didn't say the school that Sunshine went to, the fancy private high school. But I'm like, what fancy private high school has Jackson Brown playing at graduation? I was very curious. I started Googling it. And unfortunately, because we have a new Supreme Court justice... Uh, with Jackson Brown in her name, those mm-hmm. two names, the words Jackson Brown graduation messed up my Google SEO big time. Oh, <laughs> so I wasn't able to like figure out. So if anyone out there knows what fancy private high school had Jackson Brown playing its graduation in like 1992, I'd love mm-hmm. to know what that was. I am extremely curious. I would be so excited if it was Philip Saxon, <laughs> but I don't think it is. You didn't Google singer Jackson Brown? No, I didn't. But it was in the quote I did. That's a very, very good. I should have said shape of, shape of a heart, Jackson Brown, high school. Running on empty. <laughs> so, Toby, there is this interesting juxtaposition that they talk about between, like, British environmental movements and American environmental movements and how the Americans were looking at what the Brits did and they were like, that's badass. We kind of want to be like them. I wasn't sort of aware of like, speaking of extremism, I wasn't sort of aware of this like history of badassery of among like sort of these like British environmental protesters. Were you? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think this is a uh, one of the rare podcasts I listened to that wasn't for Crime Writers On, but there was a podcast like three years ago. That was basically about this British cop who goes undercover and ends up having these romantic relationships, and I think actually may even marry. Did I think we we, we did that on. Did the we show. do this? Yeah, okay. we did. Oh, bed of lies. I think yeah, 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 bed yeah, of yeah. lies. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. So that's that's sort of 
that was what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that that's existent? I don't know. When I think of British environmentalism things, I think about like protests at like American run Air Force bases that have nuclear weapons and then like trying to save foxes from like, you know, hunts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was interesting. And I, and I think it's kind of a product of the fact that this is a, it's a BBC podcast and it's, it's Leah, Leah and Georgia are doing this together. So it's bringing in that side of things with, even though the focus is really on what was going on in the U S you know, give some context. Yeah. This is Leah's second podcast with BBC sounds. The other was the Timothy McVeigh one. And uh, I, it makes me wonder what a British audience makes of these American extremist stories. I mean, the concept is not completely new to us about what happens in this culture. But if your only exposure to American culture is TV and films, I think it's probably a little eye opening that I mean, it was eye opening to us. Bundyville was a revelation. And after virtually every Leah Satilli podcast, I'm scared shitless. I've been very concerned. I've been scared by this one, but uh, it's still a real thinker. And extremism is still extremism, no matter what direction it's going. Hmm. But you also like the way that Leah interacts with her subjects, right? That's something that, I do. Yeah. I, Laura, have you ever insisted that we do an, someone do an interview with you in a cemetery? Um, not yet, but you've given me some ideas. It just feels like, <laughs> wow, it's just a nice, open quiet space uh, where no one's going to bother you, you know, maybe better than a park. She agreed to meet up with me. We needed somewhere quiet. George is in London and she's left me in charge. So, of course, we ended up in a cemetery. cemetery. I'm pretty sure she's here, so I'm going to go over there. It's a sweltering summer day when I meet her. We're at a graveyard in the heart of Portland, Oregon. She's very chatty Mm. and super conversational, and that's one of the things that she always always brings. I think because she's naturally disarming, people open up to her, and so that's like, I think, one of her her strengths. It's not only her intense academic knowledge of these issues, but also her ability to just get people to talk to her on mic. She's very good on her feet. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I really like when you hear a reporter ask the question. There's something. So I've been like, um, you know, just because of the intense interest in serial lately, I've been reading the transcripts of the original serial episodes. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you're not listening to it. But when you read the transcripts, by the way, it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting experience when you read the transcripts of a podcast versus listening to it. And the thing that you'll read in a lot of transcripts of stories is a reporter talking to a person and then telling you like the questions they have, like, oh, I, but, but that made me wonder, blah, blah, blah. Leah Satilli just asks them in the moment. She's like, what do you mean this was the biggest investigation in American history? What about January 6th? Isn't well, this that is before the, January 6th. Well, that, that, but that comes up later, but yeah. then she asks somebody else, like, wasn't January, and that, that person is like, well, but I mean, in terms of scope, in terms of locations, in terms of. They just said, we just saw this thing on Netflix about the anthrax attacks. And they said that was the largest. Right. But, but, but not 9-11? The, the anthrax attacks three weeks later was big. I, I don't know what yardstick they're doing to, to measure this. But I think that if you're on an investigation that you want the bragging rights later to say it was the largest and blah, blah history. Right. But, the, but there is this sense that like that she won't like ask the question and be like, oh, I got that great tape of that person saying that damning thing. So now I can go back to the studio and say the thing that I want to, what I want to say. Like she'll just say it right there. She's not, she'll just say, but what about X? What about Y? And I love that. 
And that's something that I think that's what we really were struck by in Bundyville, too, was that she was just talking to the Bundys in that way and talking to people around the Bundys in that way instead of gathering the tape and then kind of like betraying them by then saying what she thought like would have said back to them to us instead. I don't know. I I really think that is the key to Leah's reporting. And that is why she's able to talk to cops just as much. She's able to talk to the subjects that the cops are kind of like going after, if that makes sense. you You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I just think that's what makes her really, really strong as a reporter. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Las acciones dicen más que las palabras. Abre el Pro Access Tailgate disponible de la nueva Ford F-150. Sí, una puerta oscilatoria de fácil acceso para convertir su cama en tu nuevo taller. Conecta tus herramientas al Pro Power Onboard disponible. Ya sea que necesites soldar o cortar madera, con la F-150 puedes. Fuerza así de inteligente solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Pro Access Tailgate disponible en la primavera de 2024. All right. I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Burn Wild? It's from BBC Sounds and it's from host Leah Satilli, whose podcast we have talked about on the show before. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? Yeah, this is this is a thumbs up. Every time Leah takes on another, quote, terrorist topic in the either U.S. or internationally, whatever, I always learn something. And it's always done in such a way that I find myself even in situations where people are doing things that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this horrible thing happened. I find myself having empathy for them because of the way that she brings us into their world. And you really understand why people are doing the things they're doing and what they're believing in. Even like back in the Bundyville, like I didn't agree, but I was like, okay, I I understand. I get it. So I just thought it was really interesting. And, you know, especially where this is something that comes a little bit more from the activist standpoint. You know, the first thing I thought of was like Greenpeace and things like that. But it's really interesting. We've got good voices. um, And, you know, I I pretty much will just listen at this point when I hear that Leah has done a podcast on something like this. I will listen just because I feel like she, not because I feel like, but because she really has established herself as this is her niche and this is the type of reporting that she does well. And it's really enlightening. Toby Ball. Yeah, I, I, I really like this podcast. I like a lot of the voices she has in it, the interviews she has, particularly with people about how they got involved in, sort of, you know, quote unquote, eco-terrorism. I thought all those were compelling. I think the question, sort of the central question she has about, you know, what do you do when, when the world is burning and people aren't really doing enough to stop it? What do you do? And then when people do take steps that are sort of beyond what are sort of commonly accepted as, as okay. How, how do you judge those people? 
So yeah, I, I think she asked the right questions. She has good voices. Her reporting is great. Uh, I the subject I think is is super interesting. So big thumbs up from me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm also going thumbs up. Leah Tilly is the institution in podcasting. There, there, there are a couple of people like if you throw the name out, you know, like what's this going to be? Like you may think like like Leon Nafox, like oh, this is going to be like a really good, interesting, you know, modern history take. And you know, with Leah Tilly, it's just you know you're going to get a well researched, well produced, thoughtful look at extremism particularly in the United States and just teaming up with this team for BBC. It's been a good, it's been a good partnership for her. Uh, I like anything that she does. And so uh, this one was also made me think too. It wasn't because it was sort of a different flavor of the kind of extremism. It certainly opens up my eyes to the idea that there are other investigative avenues for her to explore. And uh, man, if I were in Oregon and I were a college student, I would definitely take her class. Hmm. Yeah, I like this podcast, too. I'll give it a thumbs up. I will tell listeners it is more dense than Leah Satilli's other podcasts. It is less like narratively structured like this and then this and then this and then this. You do have to pay more careful attention to Burn Wild than I think you did to Leah's other podcasts. So just be prepared for that. Be prepared for a more academic listen. I think this one is a more academic listen. I will tell you, I disagree with Kevin on the main premise of this podcast. I actually think that what's interesting about this podcast is that Leah is using her expertise in reporting about extremism to question whether or not this is extremism. I actually think that is the central question of this podcast. I think it is super interesting to face that question right now in a moment where all of the climate reports say we have basically passed the tipping point and we are completely fucked and uh, nothing that we're doing is working. So, you know, I it's, it's just it's a very, very interesting question to pose. It's a very, very interesting question to talk about. And it is absolutely the right moment to explore it. And I don't know. I just I think the approach here is good. And the fact that she has Joseph Dibby on the podcast is kind of incredible. Uh, One of these two people who was at the head of the most wanted list of this of this cell that the FBI was looking for for so long. And I love the fact that Sunshine Overacre, this other missing person, this other woman that is, is wanted, has become now a focus. And the focus isn't like we're going to true crime find her. The focus is sort of like let's deconstruct the most wanted terrorist myth of her that the FBI has created. Um, I, I really, really like it. I think it's a very, very interesting lens and new and fresh. So yeah, thumbs up for me. All right. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. This might be the worst crime we have ever covered. So no judgment if at any time you want to stop the podcast and erase it from your head forever. A woman in Wales is recovering from an illness she contracted when her dog bricked in her mouth. Amanda Gamo was taking a nap on the couch when she felt something unexpected. Her pet chihuahua, Belle, jumped on her face while suffering a bout of violent diarrhea. Ugh. Ugh. Though she spit most of it out, Amanda was able to take a selfie with her face covered in poo. But she got sick almost immediately. She was in the hospital for three days with a gastrointestinal Uh. infection and severe dehydration. Both Amanda and the dog are doing well. We, on the other hand, may never, ever, ever recover. So, panel, the one thing missing from this crime is the motive. (laughs) The dog's shit in her mouth. (laughs) I just think that that's... 
You think that's funny? Uh, they think it's funny, Rebecca. Why Look at them. would Belle the Chihuahua do this, Lara Bricker? Why? Why, why, well, why? Um, clearly, Belle does not like the diet she has mm. um, and is is letting her know that her food tastes like shit. So she's getting the same experience. All right. <laughs> this is what my food tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> Toby Ball, why do you think Belle the Chihuahua would do this to her poor owner? It's the only way that you learn, Rebecca. You got to just shove their face right in it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? Uh, Belle had just seen uh, two girls, one cup. Oh, God. Ew, 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 ew. No, that I can never raise from my head ever, 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 ever. Why did you have to talk about Wait, that? How about, how about checking out this selfie of her with this shit across I her face? I am ending it there. Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you. It's like a big bean can exploded in her face. And get more information about your new book, The Final Curtain. How can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, folks want to reach out to you and say, hi, Toby Ball. What does your shirt mean? How can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at Toby Ball and H. And Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you and say, Kevin, could you write crimes of the week that are less disgusting? How could they find you on Twitter? Nope. <laughs> and if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and please join our incredible Facebook discussion group. Just go to our regular Facebook page, hit join the group, answer a question or two, and Kevin will let you in. He's really nice. He'll let you in unless you're a troll. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the astute Olivia Burdett. The EP of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we have been on the run from the government for eight years now. Smell you later. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. All right. All right, you ready, babe? I am. And roll Um, that beautiful bean footage. (laughs) 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 Let me take a sip of my cider. Hold on. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.